Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Insiders wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the 76ers Insiders Podcast. I'm Lauren Rosen here with Matt Murphy ahead of the Sixers round one opener on Saturday the 15th. Matt Murphy, here we go. The playoffs are here. The Nets are in town. How are you feeling? Feeling great. This is sort of a natural rivalry as well. Really looking forward to it. Nothing like a seven-game series in the NBA playoffs, although they used to be five in this round. I don't know. That was like the early 2000s. My dad still thinks they play five games in the first round. That's like an old head take. But seven games, you know, the adjustments that get made. Coaching battle between Doc Rivers and Jock Vaughn. A team full of Nets who are all seemingly six foot seven (laughs) and we get into that with our guests in a little bit talking about how their roster has changed over the course of this season and then a Sixers team that has had so much continuity and has eyes on a a big prize at the end of this postseason. You mentioned continuity that's something that the team was really looking forward to I remember back on media day in the fall the team talking about how much they were looking forward to going to Charleston South Carolina for training camp as a unit having James Harden in those training camp huddles PJ Tucker in those training camp huddles and then getting a full season together and by and large they've had that opportunity of course with some late adjustments to the roster in the latter half of the season but overall this is the team when you look at these two teams matching up in this series the Sixers are the team with the continuity with the steadiness and with the understanding of one another and of course with a lot of movement across the roster over the last few seasons the Sixers haven't had the opportunity to be that team with a better understanding perhaps of itself than its opponent Um, and so cool for the Sixers to have the opportunity to go in there sort of a complete unit Um, and Matt not not very often that this team has four consecutive practice days either heading into any matchup so a little mini training camp this week in Camden New Jersey has been awesome and just feeds more into that continuity theme that this Sixers team is able to bring into this round one series they're healthy 
they're rested now with some extra rest with the play-in tournament and all of that. I'm curious to hear what maybe your biggest takeaway or takeaways from this week of practice heading into the playoffs have been for me. And, and we're going to get to, I think, an X factor in this series here. I'm, you mentioned P.J. Tucker. I'm going to come out and say he's not going to be my pick for X factor versus Brooklyn. But I think he's just the X factor for the entire, however long Absolutely. this run happens. It's it's hard to pick him for an individual matchup because he told us in our player interviews, which if you haven't listened, we sat down with about half the roster heading into the playoffs, mostly talking off-court stuff. So if you want to get to know the likes of P.J. Tucker and Tyrese Maxey, a little bit more questions that they don't typically answer, go back on our feed here, listen to those conversations. P.J. talked about how something misunderstood about him is maybe how he adapts his game, and it's not always what you see is what you get with P.J. Tucker. He adapts his game based on the opponent. So I think we're going to see that throughout the playoffs, regardless of who the opponent is. Of course, Brooklyn is up first. You have to take care of business. But then if it's the Boston Celtics or the Atlanta Hawks, after that he might play an entirely different way. So he won't be my X-factor pick. But when it comes to practice this week, a lot of talk about three-point shooting, corner threes, the Nets added shooting in, in their trades, and wing players who, who can defend and can't shoot the three ball. And, and Doc Rivers and, and some of the Sixers players have talked a lot about limiting looks from the corner, limiting three-point shooting, because they make a high percentage. But what I want to point out is that the Sixers finished the regular season as the best three-point shooting team in the NBA by percentage. So it could it's a make-miss league. It could come down to whose guards and wings make more shots. But I think the new-look Nets in particular have gotten even better at shooting the basketball. So Sixers defense is going to have to be on point in that area. You mentioned P.J. Tucker, and he, of course, has been such an X factor for this team throughout the season, regardless of what the stats have necessarily said about what he's been able to do. George Niang a couple weeks ago, Matt, talked about the fact that the difference between this Sixers team last season and this season, of course, George's two seasons with the team last year and this year, the biggest difference in this year's team's ability to get to a 54-win season, to win games at the end, and to figure out ways to come back, George says the biggest difference has been P.J. Tucker. His presence either on the court or in the huddles and the way that he's challenged the guys to be better or shown them exactly how to be better in these different matchups. He, of course, has an illustrious playoff history. He is an NBA champion. So looking forward to seeing how he can impart some wisdom from having been to the top of the mountain onto this team. And, and you can't help but remember Joel Embiid after game six against Miami last season saying that he wished that this team had somebody like P.J. Tucker in the playoffs. Congratulations, Joel Embiid. You have P.J. Tucker in the playoffs headed into this series that starts on Saturday. Um, Matt, you mentioned three-point shooting as well. You you asked about uh, how this week at practice has looked. So one of my more mem- memorable moments from practice this week thus far, Tyrese Maxey finishes the season as the regular season three-point shooting leader for these 76ers. And there was sort of an, an internal tournament going on between the likes of Tyrese Maxey, George Niang, James Harden, Tobias Harris. Um And a lot of good three-point shooters on this team. This team ended up being one of the better three-point shooting teams in the NBA this season. But Tyrese Maxey comes out on top. He ends up the fifth best shooter in the entire league from deep and the best shooter on the Sixers from deep. So some some cool banter back and forth, though, between someone like George, who really has built an entire NBA career based on how well he shoots the three ball, Tyrese Maxey to come in, the knock on his game when he came into the league less than three years ago was that he couldn't shoot threes. Well, well, well. 
How wrong has he proven, folks? So that, to me, has been one of the better takeaways, and it's sort of emblematic of, of what this team is looking like lately. They're having sort of playful competition amongst themselves. They're enjoying each other's company, but they're being really competitive cool to watch them compete with one another out there on the floor as well all week it's been a good week and Tyrese, i think they're ready to play maxi saying that george niang felt pretty good at one point this year about his chances when maxi was injured and coming back from injury and then all of a sudden his couple point lead and three point percentage started to dwindle as the season went along because basically Tyrese Maxey rarely missed threes after returning from his injury and he did win that little healthy competition that they had going on between a team full of good shooters so can't talk enough about how great of a shooting season and shooting career so far in the NBA that Tyrese Maxey has had and we know that the playoff stage will not be too right for him or too big for him I should say because he was making some pretty crazy threes in in past playoffs including getting off to an amazing start in last year's playoffs with one of his best games of his career so by all accounts he should be ready to go his career high at the time and Matt we talk about this the way that career stats in the playoffs aren't considered career stats right because his career high his, his playoff career high and his regular season career high are the same 44 points you think that's right do you think you should just combine them I almost well, I, think still I also think games. it's harder to succeed in the playoffs it sounds right? like so people just forget about the playoffs entirely we should talk to about the league. stats in any case Tyrese Maxey you mentioned it as a rookie who wasn't in the rotation all season long came in won a game for this team last season of course was in the rotation and in the starting lineup all year but came in won multiple games for this team he has a very illustrious playoff resume for someone who's only played in two playoffs and getting ready for his third you mentioned it health also a major theme for this team Good to see them getting ready for the playoffs healthy. Um, You look at this Brooklyn Nets opponent now, Matt, and this is an opponent that the Sixers have swept in the regular season. That's four wins over the Brooklyn Nets. And we're going to talk about our guest in just a second who's going to shed some more light on these Brooklyn Nets. But that first meeting came on November 22nd. That was a 115-106 victory over the Nets. A shorthanded victory. Tobias Harris led the way in that one. Um, Then January 25th, a 133-133. 137 133 win. Tyrese leading the way in that one. 101 to 98, a little closer on mm-hmm. February and 11th. Lower scoring. This new version of the Nets doesn't score as much as they did when they had some of the best players in the league, obviously. And that game, of course, was the first game that the Nets played after the trade deadline and Mikal Bridges' first game as a Brooklyn Net. And he was absolutely phenomenal, especially down the stretch in that uh, one. Apparently, Jock Vaughn, their coach, said that. That might have been the best game that they played as a group because it was their first game and they they weren't trying to do too much. They played as free as he saw them all season in that very first game together, which happened to be against the Sixers. And then, of course, the final game of the regular season on April 9th, 133-105. to Mac McClung, the leading scorer in that one. Nearly a triple-double. But if you, look boards, at, nine assists. if you look at the Sixers' leading scorers throughout this regular season series, that doesn't even come close to holding a candle to what these Brooklyn Nets have gone through this season. Mm-hmm. Multiple trades, a coaching change. We're going to have Megan Triplett on in just a second. She's going to talk to us about what it's been like to experience that from the inside. Their sideline reporter and a friend of mine, it's been awesome to watch her she was with 
the Memphis Grizzlies for many years before moving over to the Brooklyn Nets. So she has a history with DeAnthony Melton as well. Um, has, she actually shared some stories with me about DeAnthony when DeAnthony first joined the Sixers. So it's always cool to be able to connect with people and sort of cross the uh, the strings that tie everyone together in the NBA. And, and there are plenty of ties between these two teams, of course, as well. Is DeAnthony Melton your X factor for the first round series? DeAnthony is not the X factor that I chose, but he's proven that he can be an X factor in any game he plays in, but perhaps not mine in this one because we know that we can always get something from him regardless of, of whether it's on the offensive end, the defensive end, uh, shutting down someone like a Macal Bridges, who he's certainly going to get some reps guarding in this series, but also shooting the three ball really well throughout this season. Um, excited to see DeAnthony in his first playoffs as a 76er, but my X factor actually are two returners. We talk a lot, of course, about the NBA's leading scorer in Joel Embiid. Couldn't decide. Well, I'm just, you'll see. I'm going somewhere with this. Joel Embiid and James Harden, the NBA's leading scorer and assister, respectively. If you are playing this Sixers team, if you're game planning against this Sixers team, those are options one and two, and you've got to figure something out for how you're going to contain and slow down Joel Embiid, how you're going to make it harder on James Harden to share the ball at the rate that he does, to score as well as he has from multi-level over the last couple of months since he's been looking super healthy and, and sharp. So if you're slowing down those two guys success You've made it a competitive series, right? And that means that the Sixers are going to rely on Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris to get it done when a Joel Embiid or a James Harden is stopped or slowed down. So to me, if you're getting great productivity from Tyrese, Tobias, or both Tyrese and Tobias, the other team is going to have big time problems. So for me, every night, you know you expect a lot from James and Joel throughout the playoffs as hopefully they go on a deep, deep, deep run. You hope that you're going to see a lot from those two guys for sure, two MVPs, but they can't do it alone. And if the other team is playing well, it means that those guys probably are slowed down a little bit. So make them beat you with their other options. Those ones, of course, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris for the 76ers. Great other options to have um, and looking forward to seeing how they rise to the occasion in this series. On the defensive end, when it comes to Maxey, Brooklyn's got these big guards, these big wings, and at practice, Doc Rivers has said that when Tyrese picks up full court, that he's, quote, seven feet tall in their backcourt. And the further they get down court, the size mismatches come into play a little bit more when they get into the half court. So Tyrese on the defensive end, a little bit of insight from the coach there. I'm going to go with James Harden as my X factor in a series where switching is going to come into play so much because everything kind of centers around Joel Embiid, the MVP front runner. Why wouldn't it? And Nick Claxton and, and the, the Nets defense is going to do their best, but when they switch, is Harden in that attack mode? Is he is he causing the defense to collapse on him and finding these shooters? That kind of brings us back full circle to the ability to make three-point shots, and I think Harden is the X factor in that scenario. But really enjoyed our conversation with Megan Triplett as well. Um, get the Nets' perspective on, on the week and the season and everything that went on with them. It was a, It was a pleasure. Here's Megan. Thanks for listening as always, guys. And if you're not already, uh, if you ha- if your content plate isn't full enough, make sure when this one ends that you listen to those podcasts that Matt just mentioned. Get to know the likes of PJ Tucker, 
Tyrese Maxey, Shake Milton, D House, who am I forgetting? Paul Reed. It was a crew that came and talked to us ahead of the playoffs. So if you're looking for more content, you're going to find it as soon as this episode ends. Thanks as always, guys, for listening. And here's our chat with Megan. If you want to be a well-informed viewer of this series, she's going to help you out. So thanks as always for listening. And thanks to Megan. I hope you guys enjoy this chat. We welcome now Megan Triplett, who is a sideline reporter with the Brooklyn Nets and has been absolutely crushing the coverage in what has been a crazy season for you guys. So first of all, Megan, how are you? How good does it feel to, to finally arrive at the playoffs? Yeah, it's uh, I'm doing great. You know, it's been a wild adventure. I think for you guys can, um, you know, relate to this. I feel like the 82 games went by slow, but also very fast and then back to being slow again. And then when you add what all of, you know, the Nets organization has gone through the team wise, it has just felt as if it's been like two or three years combined into one season, but we are here and it feels as if a new chapter is starting when it comes to the playoffs. Like you can kind of forget like all the things that, ha that has happened in the past right now, it's a new day and like you're starting a whole new book. It's so true because when I think about the four meetings that we've had between the Sixers and Nets this season, it was almost like playing four different teams each time the Sixers and Nets faced off. So if you don't mind giving Sixers fans sort of an introduction to the Nets at present on April 14th, they might have seen one version in the fall and another version in the spring, but what can they expect from this team that, by the way, seems to have some really good vibes, seems to really like each other based on what we saw in Brooklyn last week. What is the what is the group like that you guys have arrived at the playoffs with? Yeah, this Nets team, it's kind of you kind of have to start with like that mid-February because that's when I think this this team kind of came about after that trade deadline and we made all those various changes. And when you add the four new pieces on and getting a, basically a whole new um, you know starting rotation, this is a group that has formed an identity and their identity is based around their defense and their three-point shooting. Um, you have guys who are very defensively focused, like Dorian Finney-Smith, who came from Dallas. You have Mikel Bridges, who was a defensive guy with Phoenix Suns, um, and who has stepped in to show he can do a whole lot more than just his defense, but he his offensive capability. And things rely on the defensive play of this team. They are a group of people who have had to rush uh, and like form a, a quick connection and chemistry and at times when you thought, could they do it? Can they do it? Is it going to happen? You've seen it kind of come all about. Jock Vaughn, um, the head, Brooklyn Nets head coach, has, like, led the charge. And he's been that guy who's just very authentic and very real and very honest. And it seems as if, like, all the other play, all the players have adapted to that. It's been like that the entire season. But this, this new group of this new team has kind of just, like, all kind of fallen into place. And – you know, it happened very quickly. It happened very, very fast. Um, but it seems that, as you mentioned, there are there are truly, honestly, like really, really good vibes with this group. This is a group that just really wants to win and really wants to play hard and wants to win for each other. They they're well aware of what this team has gone through. They're not they're not going to like sugarcoat it. They've gone through a lot, but now they want to form something new, form a new chapter, and say, "Hey, that was the past, and here's our future." Megan, thanks so much for being with us. As Lauren brought up the, the four regular season meetings and how different they all were, I can't believe you guys think that the last regular season game isn't going to be what we see in the playoffs and those rosters that we saw in that game. Of course, a lot of guys got opportunities when the regular season came to an end. But when you talk about 
obviously we're discussing the, the Kevin Durant trade and the, the Kyrie Irving trade and the pieces that the Nets have assembled now towards the end of the season and into the playoffs of the new additions, who or what about them has kind of stood out to you the most? I mean, when you talk about the new additions, all four have been like great new pieces, but you can't not, not start with Mikel Bridges. Um, He's been a guy who you saw what he was capable of in Phoenix when he was like stepping in for Devin Booker when Devin Booker was hurt. And you've seen what he's been able to do in the playoffs, you know, the last couple of years before Phoenix as they, they had this whole building process. You look at from the bubble until the two years after that, Mikel Bridges has been that stud, but now he's come into this um, Brooklyn Nets team and he is the main focus point. He is the main focal point. Even Mikel has said before, you know, that, if he's not knocking down shots, like the more shots he's making, the more he's leading this charge, that is just, it kind of is a domino effect to the other teams and to the other guys. And so when you scout this Brooklyn Nets team, Mikel Bridges is the guy that you have to like start with because of everything that he stepped into. Um, not only availability has been key for him because he, he does not miss a game. He plays, uh, he's, he's a very passionate player. He plays hard every single night. And offensively, it's just the way that he's been a leader in his shot-making ability, the shots that he is making. We already knew he had that mid-range jumper, um, but now he's like, you know, he put, he's, he's incorporating knocking down threes. And so um, Jock Bond has said that Mikel Bridges has always been that guy, but it's just this Brooklyn Nets team is just kind of spot, you know, shining a light on what he's been able, more capable of doing. And then Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy who's, been here before played a couple years here as he said he's grown he grew up here Brooklyn Brooklyn is his home but now his game has changed since the time that he left like his game has evolved from Washington the Wizards and then the Dallas Mavericks but coming in here um, he's been a the floor general he has been able to create and facilitate he can give you a double digits you know the assist numbers and you've kind of seen it grow as more games have got under their belt they kind of just learn how to play with each other Dorian Finney-Smith, when he can knock down threes, he is just amazing defensively. He's a great defensive guy. He's a great wing player. Um, Cam Johnson, too. You know him and Mikel Bridges had that connection already, and he has slowly found his groove. And, you know, his shot is just a beautiful shot. And you add that with Nick Claxton into the starting group, it has just been a really, really great, like, combo. The, the, the starting five has been a really great combo, especially in this last couple of games. They've kind of found they found each other. Nick Claxton has been just an amazing player all season. He's just grown so much um, since he came in and was, and was drafted with Brooklyn, but now he's just really kind of stepped in. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that stand out, and that's kind of like the order of kind of how I what has like uh, been really, really amazing to see. Lots of connections, too, between this team and rather your Brooklyn Nets, our Philadelphia 76ers over the years. You mentioned Mikal Bridges, someone that people absolutely love in Philadelphia. So I know there are going to be folks that are conflicted in the building that remember watching him in that building and cheering for him. Um, so looking forward to seeing what he's able to do. Of course, we don't expect to see Ben Simmons in this series, but we do expect to see Seth Curry in this series. I'm curious what it's been like to work with Seth. It seems like he's one of those ones that uh, when he comes back to Philly, people don't have have an issue rooting for him, which is really yeah. nice. Um, and so, of course, regardless of what his availability ends up being sort of in your rotation, what has it been like to to work with Seth? Seth is great. You know, Seth is a very, like, he's very focused, work-based. He comes in and he's kind of like, he's kind of like the quiet guy. 
And when it comes to like being on the court, you already know what he can do. And like when he, when he gets his chance and when his shot is flowing, you're like, oh, wow. You know, like the some, something about the Curry's that is just in their blood. But he's so driven and very focused, very quiet, um, very matter of fact. And like I said, every he's 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 the guy that's seen it all. There's a lot of guys who haven't been able to see it all, but he's a guy that's seen it all throughout this year. And so he's just very driven and just very focused on like the kind of like the, the task at hand. He's very well aware of what kind of like what's been stacked up against them, but he's kind of come in and been that leader because he's been, he's been one of the guys who's throughout the entire season has been able to kind of see what all the new changes that has happened. Cause you know, we talked about the trades, but we don't like you for, you sometimes forget which you, you really sit down and focus on media day for us where we had Steve Nash as our head coach. You know, we had questions then about what the dynamic was going to be like. And then you had a rough start and then you started to kind of get things going. Then you get, then you have Jock become, you know, Steve Nash and then part ways. And then Jock becomes interim head coach and becomes the official acting head coach. And then you have still rumors of, of such Then you have injury. Then you have trade. So like he's been, so Seth Curry has gone through a lot. He's seen a lot. But he's very, very focused on kind of like just like matter of fact, ta- you know, task at hand. What do we have to do to achieve our goal? That's always been make it to the playoffs. Doc Rivers has talked about trying to get the scouting report from his son-in-law, Seth Curry, whenever he sees him leading up to and during this first round playoff series. It's interesting because he said he's he's coached his son. He's coached his son-in-law in big games, but never really coached against them in a playoff series but I wanted to go back to Nick Claxton because Seth Curry is a shooter Joe Harris shooter all these shooters on on the nets and obviously there's going to be a a look at the Sixers shooters and who can knock down shots around Joel Embiid but also around Nick Claxton for the Brooklyn Nets in that particular matchup what are you looking for from Claxton versus Embiid in that matchup because I think back to the third game or the the second game overall in in Philly and how they were in each other's faces literally no space between their faces jawing at one another it's interesting because Nick was asked about that at practice this week about kind of the dynamic of we know Joel and B he talks a lot and you know like no knock for it I'm all here for it I love it and Nick Claxton said the same thing he was like that's fun for me he was like I'm here for a little trash talk he said we have some conversations out there before he wouldn't share what is like really really sad but he's like he's he's ready for it. And so I think it just makes for a good game for a little, a little, I'm not gonna say trash talk, I hate the word trash, but just like some talking, you're just having a conversation out there, whether, whatever direction it goes into, you know, we're all going to be like, our ears are going to be like wide open to to hear. Um, But he's looking forward to that matchup. And when it comes to kind of how it plays out, I think game one is going to be very telling the kind of like always in game one, when it comes into a series, you're like all eyes are going to kind of figure out how the scouting report will look like, especially from the Brooklyn Nets standpoint, because they have gone small at some times as well. That's been a, a kind of like a secret key for them. Will Jock Bond do that again? Well, not secret, but you know, it's been like, it's been a thing that they've been able to do against other teams. And so will that be a case here? Joel Embiid is very, very different. So you have to kind of like scout that differently because of what he's able to do on the court. But Nick Claxton has, um, he's that guy who can grab you a rebound. He's shown that he's got this mid-range jumper too. And you're like, okay, Nick, let's see what you got. Um, and he's he's a guy that's like where he's like young in the league, but he's showing that he can be this dynamic big, but he can do so much. And it's going to be interesting to kind of see because Nick is, you know, Nick is more, it's probably quicker with his feet than Joel Embiid. So how can Nick use that and capitalize off of that one up against Joel Embiid? Joel Embiid is a bigger big. 
So how, what what can happen with Nick? And also not just Nick Claxton. I think it's going to take a whole entire team to go up against Joel and be how many different looks are you going to give Joel and be to make it difficult? We've seen other teams do that. And I think that's going to be key, but I'm interested to see how kind of game one goes of like figuring out some type of like game plan that they will do. But I think Nick, Nick, a lot of conversation is on Joel Embiid, rightfully so. But I do think that Nick has some secret weapons that he can use that he can showcase that can work against Joel. It's such a cool place for a young player to be too, because everybody knows what you expect from at the very least, an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, perhaps the MVP going into a playoff series. It's kind of nice to be the guy on the other end of that, where the expectations are a little lower, you're a little bit younger, and it's your job to just go in there and try to slow him down and shock the world. And I know that you mentioned um, the way that they were talking back and forth to each other, but Joel Embiid respects that. Like He likes someone that can sort of give it back, whether it's with their play or trying to play the mental games together. So I'm looking forward to that matchup as well. Uh, Sixers Nets, of course, tips off on Saturday, the 15th, depending on when you're listening to this, maybe tomorrow, maybe today at 1 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you're up early and ready to celebrate game one, opening the playoffs for both teams. Game two will be played Monday at 730 Eastern. Then the series shifts to Brooklyn Thursday at 730 Eastern and Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Games five through seven are yet to be determined in terms of times and whether or not they'll happen and where. Well, no, we know where they'd be. Megan's like, they're happening. They're happening. But how happy are you that the weekend games are early? I'm excited about it. Like, I love I a love, day game. I love a day game. I love a little sunlight. I think fans are like fresher too in the day. You get, you have more kids usually that come out. So I'm used to like my old job. I'm used to having the night, like the late games being in the Western Conference. But like now it's like these, like these daytime games, I'm all here for it. I think there's more hype centered around it. And when you have a little, I know some people are not calling it a rivalry, but when you have a lot of history against each other, when you have a little history like this, day games are going to be exciting. I would imagine, too, there's going to be a lot of fans of both teams in both arenas because of the proximity. People forget it takes less than two hours. If you're living in Brooklyn and you want to come to Philly, if you're living in Philly, you want to go to Brooklyn, you can do it, especially if it's during the day. So looking yeah, forward to those Dor- environments for sure. I asked Dorian Finney-Smith because you know, he's used to being in Dallas um, throughout all of his NBA career. And he's like, you know, when you're in the Western Conference, you're used to potentially flying, you know, to another time zone that, you know, that you could have even in that first round. So to have, to have a situation where you can just drive, your family can get there so easily. You have the the capability of going back home, depending on how many days you have in between games. If you can go back home, it doesn't, it does it doesn't always feel like you're away when you have to play, uh, when you have, might have home court advantage. And we know the Brooklyn Brigade always comes to Wells Fargo Center. I mean, it's not, you know, I know it's not, they're not as loud as the Philly fans, but still, you'll still have fans that will travel. I Definitely. am very much looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, Matt, go ahead. I'm going to disagree for the sake of disagreeing here with your guys' conversation about the day games. There will be some night games, of course, in the series, but, and there are some perks for the players and people working the games. But I think from the fan perspective, give me the whole day of building up before a matchup, before a, a night game, a primetime game, something like that. So I'm going to take the side of I'm not as big of a fan of the one on a Saturday, starts. on a Saturday, like um, and like I think like, OK, yes, on the weekday, you want the nighttime. Obviously, you're, you're in a nighttime game on the weekdays, but on the, on the weekend, on a Saturday, that like early you're getting up, it's sunny. Like, I just think there's a 
there's an excitement because you're waking up excited. You're like, I gotta go, we gotta go. It like, gets like- on you so quick though. Like the fans are gotta get up, get their coffee. Like next thing you know, the game is tipping off. See, I don't like to be teased. So I'm, I like things to just like happen. So that's all I'm, all I'm gonna say. To me, a day game really makes me feel like a regular person because we all work such crazy hours in this industry like the fact that when we have a day game we get in there around nine or ten in the morning and then we leave around four five six p.m you go outside there it's still light out that's what regular people experience every day i really love a day game but and i love a prime time magic too so if your team wins you have like you have like from six to ten to like call make phone calls go out still celebrate you don't have to go straight do you know how it's like to get be on such a high and just to go home and go to sleep? Like, that's not fun. Like, you want to be on this high where you need to go home and, like, celebrate with your, your with your people and still carry it throughout the entire day, Matt. So you still have all day, but your team has to win to have all day. So that is the key. That's true. If you lose, it's easier to just go to bed and try again tomorrow. <laughs> so anyway, there will be day games. There will be night games. There will be wins. There will be losses. If you're into any of those things, this is the series for you. Megan. Thank you so much for coming on today. We've loved chatting with you and we will look forward to continuing to chat throughout the series. Thank you so much. Cool, thanks. Thanks again to Megan Triplett, the Brooklyn Nets sideline reporter for the Yes Network ahead of Sixers Nets, which begins Saturday the 15th. It's kind of a natural cadence or a cadence you can familiarize yourself with in this series. Saturday the 15th, Monday the 17th, both in South Philadelphia. And then it is Thursday, Saturday. Okay, so it's not that natural. I thought it was like Saturday. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But the Saturdays are at one. Yeah, games and the one and four. There you go. Which the we, non-Saturdays which are at we got into a bit with Megan when it comes to day games versus night games. But this first game, a day game, 1 p.m. NBC Sports Philadelphia, ESPN, 97.5, The Fanatic. Game one between the third-seeded Sixers and the sixth-seeded Brooklyn Nets. Thanks everyone for listening and Lauren Rosen, thanks to you for being here as always. Thanks guys. See ya. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. 